Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Yakety yak, don't talk back. It's episode number 32 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's number one Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as always, is Big Daddy Cool Liam O'Donnell. How you doing, Liam? I'm pretty good. Now, Liam, some big news. This is outside of the Eric Roberts verse, which I like to talk about oh so very much. This is outside of that. You have big news in the O'Donnell verse. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I've caught. Now, um, mm. 54 Pokemon. That's great. Now, how? what is the most rare of these Pokemon that you have caught? Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you're actually going with this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, uh, I caught a Dratini. No, one. no, That's Liam. It's not, it's not about you catching Pokemon. You announced on your social media this week. I don't know why you didn't call me personally, but you did announce on social media that you, or I should say your wife, is with child. It's true. Uh, we... Um, just found, well, not just found out, but we've just, uh, been willing to tell people that, uh, we are going to have a child. Now, how long have you known? Uh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's probably a about question. three weeks now. And you mean the last time we recorded, you already knew? Uh, yeah, we just hadn't announced, we hadn't made it known to anyone yet. Now, I think the question on all of our listeners' minds are... Are you going to name the child Doug O'Donnell or <laughs> Eric Roberts O'Donnell? Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think Eric Roberts is pretty high up there on the list. You know, um, I'm not sure. I don't think Doug is specific enough. I think we'd have to go with Tilly. Okay, here's here, or let me possibly let me, Doug Tilly is like a let, new word. Let me solve your problem for you. It'll be Eric Roberts Douglas O'Donnell. Eric Roberts, but no Tilly. No, look, my last name is Tilly. But that's what I'm saying. If we say Doug, it could be anyone. How will they know it's you? I'll know. I don't care if other people know. Well, I'll, <laughs> I will mention it on the show, of course. Liam, when is your wife due? Uh, the end of January. January of 2017. Yes. No, January of 2018. It's going to be a long, long time. Don't mock my ability to work out months and dates. <laughs> Liam, are you excited? I should ask you, are you excited about your uh, child? Yes, very much so. I mean, also terrified, of course, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. very excited. You like children, right? Yeah. All right, shut up, Liam. <laughs> you might know our guest today on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man from his various film and television appearances regarding his synthetics advocacy. I first became aware of him in films like The Mechanical Bride and the UK documentary Guys and Dolls, but in the past few years... I've also gotten to know him as a sharp cultural commentator and all-around awesome guy. Please welcome to Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, Dave Cat. How are you doing, Dave Cat? Not bad there, Doug. Hello, Doug. Hello, Liam. Thanks for having me on. It hey, is good to have you. It is great to have you and your Eric Roberts knowledge on the show, Dave Cat. <laughs> I, uh, I have, I have, uh, I, I, the way I, I perceive Eric Roberts is a man. You know, mm-hmm. a hardworking man. Hardworking. You know, just, just like any one of us. 
you know, well. he does his things. He he clocks in. He does a movie. He punches out. Goes home. Enjoys a beer. You know? Maybe a vegan bear. Yes, and... that's right. That's right. Yes, I read about that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he uh, adopts a cat and uh, goes to bed at four in the morning. But he has insomnia, so he probably gets up at six. But he's hardworking. That's the important he, thing. He is hardworking, like all of us. Yes. And if that's if if we'll take away nothing else from the <laughs> uh, from the thirty two episodes of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, is that Eric Roberts loves to work. Yes. Now and that's, that's a really cool thing that you've invited me on the show because it's just like I, I like I said I know really little about Eric Roberts so it's just like this is actually going to be a neat little challenge so like you know trying to find a film where it's just like I've no reference points would be especially cool so well you pick some doozies for us Dave Cat <laughs> doozies is what I'm going to call them yeah uh, two- that's that's kind to call them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a lot to say about the movies we're going to be discussing today. But, yes. Dave Kent, I do want to get a sense. When I asked you to be on this podcast, what were some of your initial thoughts outside of, well, he, he does know I don't know anything about Eric Roberts? <laughs> uh, I was thinking, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Uh, but it's also going to be a little, uh, there's going to be a little bit of trepidation on my part. But, yeah, I don't really think so. I mean, I think we'll just, like, kind of breeze through it and I'll get to know a bit more about Eric and his ovule. Uh-huh. As, as, as we go, but that is uh, yeah, a great I've pronunciation of, of, <laughs> of, of uh, and I have used that word several times on this podcast, and have not given it the flair that you did. That's a triple word score there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I've learned that yeah, he's a hardworking man, like I said. But uh, that you know ends up having him appear in things like Power ninety eight and Six, The Mark Unleashed, because well, we all have to make rent. That, that's, we all have to make rent. That is a great way to put it. And it is, uh, you know, hardworking, making rent. Mm-hmm. Eric Roberts is the working man. That's mm-hmm. what he is. That's what we appreciate. That's what we celebrate here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Now, you have mentioned when I first asked you to be on the podcast, Dave Cat, you wanted to watch Runaway Train. And I told you, no, no, <laughs> you can't watch Runaway Train. We've covered it already. You, you know, were. I'd seen, like, a fragment of Runaway Train, like, almost 20 years ago, and I, I'd heard that, you know, Andrei Konchalovsky is a really good director, and it's mm-hmm. like this really bleak existential film, and, you know, it's an action thriller as well, and, you know, and I'd seen, like, a fragment of it, and I was just like, this is really intense, you know, seeing John Voight get his hand crushed by a boxcar coupling, and it was, like, on television, and that was literally the only part I'd seen, I was just like, huh, yeah, let me put this on my list of films to see. And, you know, it's... it's 20 big. years later. <laughs> yeah, 20 years later. Yes, I now have a chance. Now, it's, wait, what? You've already done? Oh, man, come on. Seriously? You know? I like, not only did we douse that opportunity to see <laughs> what I would consider, like, top-tier Eric Roberts, maybe like a top-two Eric Roberts movie, and instead, you have chosen for us to watch, say, Six, The Mark Unleashed, which I would suggest, again, without giving too much away, that there's a slight quality drop-off from the movie... <laughs> That you originally wanted to watch. Look, I'm just, that's a personal. I just like, I just like that Dave Cat here has decided not to watch any Eric Roberts unless it's for a podcast, <laughs> which is also what I've decided. So we're on the same page with that one. Hardworking. You know, we punch in, we watch an Eric Roberts film, we punch out, we go home, drink a beer, vegan, you know, mm. that sort of thing. That's exactly it. I don't and drink I'll... any beer, even cruelty free beer, my friend. <laughs> not now. You got to stay healthy for your kid, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, is that a thing? I guess that's a thing, huh? Well, I imagine you want to live to see the child born. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I have started to feel those things that, you know, it's like, oh, I guess I need to, like, be good at life now is mm. a thing. Oh, if, if, if I had to get my wife pregnant in order to feel like I would have to then start getting good at life, I feel like that's, that is like, 
I, I mean, again, not to insult your position, but I just want to say that I don't think the sacrifice is worth it. That's just on my side, right? Because uh, yeah, are you going to let him get away with that? Look, <laughs> here's the, here's the thing. It's oh, oh, here's the thing. <laughs> it's all hypothetical at this point, so I'm willing to let a lot of things go right now. It's hypothetical. Well, it's that I don't know how I'm going to feel. Maybe I'm going to be real protective, and Doug's going to say witty Canadian things, and I'm going to say, "Hey, you watch your mouth, Maple Leaf." All right. So then, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm going to be real laid back about it. I'm going to be like, you know what? I got all this love here, and that love even extends to you, Doug Tilly. Who knew? Wow. I mean, I appreciate that. You, you found the love in your heart. You were willing to accept my mockery of you. It's a very Christ-like thing that you're doing, actually. uh, We're going to get into that too, aren't we? Very ironic. But we're going to get back to that. (laughs) But before we get to that, let's get into this week's Roberts Report. Yes, it's the Roberts Report for episode number 32 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. We're actually recording this episode a day earlier than we normally would, which means that there isn't quite as much Eric Roberts news as there might be. I fully expect that tomorrow, big Eric Roberts news will break, perhaps an appearance on the next season of Game of Thrones. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. It's possible. Maybe he'll get into Sharknado 5. We also promoted that briefly in an earlier episode, but it didn't really come to pass. Uh, I can't remember if Eric Roberts actually said something about it or if it just became my pet theory that him appearing in Sharktopus is the reason that they uh, failed to cast him in uh, Sharknado movies. But I'm just – look, I don't watch the Sharknado movies, but I would if Eric Roberts is in one of them because why, Liam? You have a blood oath. We made a blood oath, which we haven't mentioned as often in recent episodes. Well, because uh, we don't want all of our Eric Roberts enjoyment only to boil down to the spilling of blood. Mm -hmm, Some of it mm -hmm. might actually be that these are movies worth watching. Speaking of movies worth watching, Liam, recently on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed on July 30th, he tweeted out, It's rare that a movie is better than its trailer, but Bad Moms is one of the baddest, equal, greatest comedies ever. A laugh fest with truth. Hashtag loved it. Liam O'Donnell, (laughs) have you seen the uh, currently in the cinema's movie Bad Moms? I have not. All right, Dave Cat, how about yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I I never even knew this existed. Um, It sounds, I have no idea who's, I know nothing of this film. It's got, um, it is a female-led comedy Mm. that stars, let me see if I can remember any of the people that are in it. Is it... Melissa something or other. Myla Kunis. Myla Kunis is oh. in it. That's great. And there's also someone else famous uh, from Veronica Mars. Yeah, from Veronica Mars. What is Kristen Bell? Yeah. Kristen Bell is in it. And oh. I think Christina Applegate is in it. Really? Yeah. Christina and Applegate is in it. I think she's like a villain or something, like not a good thing. Yeah. And I haven't seen it. And obviously neither of us have seen it. The uh, other actress who's in it of the – there's like three moms who are friends. Mm-hmm. And the other actress whose name I forget is great though. Yeah, she, she was – Remember, she was in uh, Step Brothers, uh, and, and she was transparent, and she was on Parks and Rec. Okay, I can't really we we don't know her name, but she's tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst. We're actual monsters. <laughs> well, what we've learned from this tweet is that we must go out to see Bad Moms in the cinema because it's one of greatest comedies ever. Baddest uh, equals greatest. Mm-hmm. Baddest equals greatest, which is <laughs> that's got to that's got to bump it into overdrive. It's a <laughs> laugh fest with truth. Dave Cat, what's your favorite favorite comedic movie? Oh Lord God! Um, you know, I'll tell you this: 
you know, people ask questions like that, and I can't think of anything at the mm-hmm. top of my head. But the, I'll just say this: I had actually uh, at work today, I had uh, quoted a couple of lines from The Big Lebowski. Oh, you know, with a couple of coworkers. So that's at the top top twenty. You know, that's a really good one. I All right, what's that. number nineteen? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> you're doing this on purpose. I'm actually sitting here peering at my DVD shelf. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love a lot of the early John Hughes stuff. Sure. Um, could you could you say Withnail and I is a comedy? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Hey, you know what, Dave Cat? Let's say it's a comedy. Let's right. do it. Let's put it out there that I'm saying, I'm officially saying on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man that Withnail and I... It's a comedy. All Liam, right. Liam O'Donnell, what's one of your favorite comedic <laughs> movies? Uh, I'd probably say a, a tie between um, mm, Faster, please. I'm sorry. Probably, <laughs> probably, wow. <laughs> have you got pregnancy? A tie between Zoolander? Have you got pregnancy brain already, Liam? You've just started. Probably a tie between Zoolander <laughs> and The King of Comedy. Oh, I got to tell you, and this is not to critique your picks at all, Liam, because I think those are both wonderful movies. Uh, but The King of Comedy, despite its title, you know what I think? I think it's almost tragic. I know. It was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> it's fine. It did, the joke didn't land. It's, it's okay. It's fine. What did you I think of that? I tried to pick two movies that were completely not like each other, and one of which was not really a comedy. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We'll keep going. Is dad is this is this dad humor? I don't know much about it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think there's more puns in dad humor. Punk punks. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> See what you did there. Uh huh. It's pretty <laughs> clever. Liam O'Donnell. Yeah. Bad moms in cinemas right now. Over at McCall.com, there's an uh, article about. Remember when the last episode, Liam, when I was mentioning that movie Billboard? Yeah, shooting in my area. Yeah, your area, not your penis and balls, but uh, <laughs> damn it. but more likely f- uh, downtown Easton. Is that a place that you know? Uh, I mean, that's the town I live in is Easton, yes. So I'm reading this article, and it's all about the fact that uh, a couple of days ago, they, Wait, they started filming Billboard. Chubby's Cafe. This is what I'm going to ask you. Now, the p- listeners don't know what you're talking about right now. You're reading an article that I've given to you. But they're shooting... This movie billboard in downtown Easton at Chubby's Cafe and in some private homes today and Tuesday. Now, we're recording this on a Tuesday, which means that they could be in Chubby's Cafe right now, Liam. They're probably in Chubby's Cafe right now. I just don't know what Chubby's Cafe is. Now, this is Lehigh. <laughs> okay. You you want me to do this for you right now? Please. This general area, Easton, Bethlehem, and Allentown, is called the Lehigh Valley. Now, the Lehigh Valley has about... A million people overall, but it's a pretty wide area. And in fact, if you take it geographically, it would also include parts of New Jersey and west all the way down to Reading. Now, Liam O'Donnell, what is your feelings on Billy Joel? Billy Joel? <laughs> yeah. Not a fan. No? Okay. That's fine. This article also says that the film... <laughs> the Why film, did that come up? I don't understand. <laughs> no reason. The film Billboard joins Getting Grace, which Bethlehem native and actor Dan Roebuck is shooting in the Lehigh Valley through mid-August. Now, Daniel Roebuck, Liam O'Donnell, do you know Daniel Roebuck? No. Daniel Roebuck is an actor. Uh, he actually probably is best known for his appearance in The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. But he's uh, he's done tons and tons of work. But one of the things he's also known for is being like a big monster movie fan. And like he has all these monster collectibles and things like that. Huh. I didn't Isn't know that. that cool? And he's from Bethlehem. That's sort of where you're close to being in. For all I know, we're friends on Facebook. 
Daniel Roebuck. I hope I'm not confusing it with some other person. (laughs) (laughs) I plucked this thing out of my head, so it could be wrong. And if it is, you'll never hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Billboard is a movie about a radio station. Uh, I did actually read this entire article. I'm just going to quote a little bit here. Uh, The director says, shooting the film is the culmination of the five-year Billboard New Media Cross-Platform Project, which has included a stage production, web series, and virtual radio station. Yeah, there is a radio station that they've created for this movie where independent artists can submit their music. It sounds like a massive production for a movie which, let's face it, nobody is going to see. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm just joking. Dave Cat, I'm kidding around because, of course, they have already have two built-in viewers because Liam and I have made a blood oath to watch all Eric Roberts movies. I'm, I would be excited just because I didn't know. I mean, I know that they must be filming some sort of movies in this area because that happens everywhere. But movies that have Eric Roberts in them, who knew? Now, I could have gone downtown today and maybe seen Eric Roberts. Now, th- okay, I was going to get to that. Like, just really quickly, Liam. Look, we knew from this article that Liam, not Liam, you're Liam, that Eric Roberts could have been at Chubby's Cafe today. And how far would it have been for you to go to see if you could check out Eric Roberts? I mean, very easily it would have been a very short drive, like maybe 10 minutes at most. Walkable? Do you think walkable? Public transportation? Well, I live up on College Hill. Oh, do you? The, the hill is like a, a, a really a long walk. It's it's a it's a tedious walk. It's it's It would take a while. Okay, okay that's good. I, I feel like with the clues given on various episodes of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, our listeners can work out exactly where you live. <laughs> no, I can get stalked pretty easily at this point. Well, that's great. Anyway, we'll check out Billboard when it uh, comes out sometime in, I don't know, 2017? Let's yeah. say yes. Uh, a few episodes ago, we talked about a movie called The Sector. And uh, over at Shakia.com, they have some new photos from The Sector featuring Eric Roberts... Fighting the Apocalypse. Actually, this post-apocalyptic thriller also has Richard Tyson, Kayla Carlisle, John Wesley Shipp from the Flash TV show, and also the older Flash TV show from the early 90s, the great Vernon Wells from Cowboys vs. Dinosaurs, and also Mad Max and Commando. Uh, actually, it says in this article Mad Max, but of course, sharp-eared readers and listeners will know that it's in, in actually The Road Warrior, the second Mad Max movie that features Vernon Wells. Ah, yes. That's right. That's what? right. He had, he had like the mohawk and uh, whatnot. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was Wes, right? Uh, let's say I know <laughs> the character's name. <laughs> yeah, and the yes. name sounds familiar. The actor name sounds familiar. The movie also has Lance Henriksen and Eric Roberts from The Dark Knight and The Specialist. Apparently, <laughs> that's, that's his two roles. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, actually, I think this, this movie's coming out fairly soon at this point. They released a trailer ooh, months and months ago. Uh, I'm very interested in checking out The Sector, no matter how much Eric Roberts we get out of it. Dave Cat, post-apocalyptic works of art. <laughs> There's Do you a lot in- of them. There's a lot of them. Do you now? I should ask. Do you do a lot of reading, Dave Cat? I haven't read so much in a while, but yes, yes, I have many bookshelves. Some well, books are on them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you had to look at your bookshelf right now <laughs> and pick out a book that you want to recommend to everyone listening right now, what would that book be? Uh, does it have to be post-apocalyptic? Definitely not. I don't know why I said post-apocalyptic. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. That was a weird segue. I don't yeah, know about that. I don't know. Weird <laughs> segues. Can't believe it. Uh oh. Um, The Stranger by Albert Camus. Mm. There you go. Well, I'll check that out. It's uh, uh, it's bleak, but, uh, you know, good kind of bleak. Liam, when I say The Stranger to you, what does it immediately bring to mind? 
the Stranger by Albert Camus, and then mm. secondly, uh, yes. where you make your hand number, you jerk off. <laughs> yes, all right. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I was making sure that we've got both of those interpretations out there. Admittedly, when you said the Stranger Day of Cat, I did think of what Liam said, but by saying that, I feel like we've made this whole show seem a lot more coarse and unpleasant than it usually is. <laughs> It's, all, it's always a little coarse and unpleasant. You know what? In the context of Power 98, it all makes sense. Power 98? Oh. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit. Dave Cat, what's a good post-apocalyptic movie? Well, Mad Max. It is. You know, Mad Max, the first one. Mad Max, The Road Warrior, and Mad Max Fury Road. Thunderdome's okay, but eh. Thunderdome's just okay. Liam, do you agree? Uh, I think even saying Thunderdome is okay is being gracious. I feel like Liam... That you're going to turn around on your feelings on Thunderdome now that you're going to have a child because that movie has a lot of children in it. Yes. Mm, I don't know that having a child means I have to like children in movies. Or children in general, maybe. Mm. No, I, I, I generally like children. They're yes. okay. Do you have any nieces or nephews, Liam? I do. I have a few. Do you see them often? No, I have uh, Suze's, uh family's nieces and nephews, and they are in... Uh, the Chicago slash Bloomington area in Illinois. And then my niece and nephews are in Philly. And I just don't, I see them at like family gatherings. Basically, I see. I understand. Well, I recently had to babysit my two nephews and it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful. No, actually I shouldn't say that because mine are all very nice. I've had positive experiences with all my nieces and nephews, but I've met other people's nieces and nephews who were actual monsters who should probably be left in the woods. <laughs> You ever see the movie uh, the, the Omen? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2016's 30 Days to Say Goodbye, a short film from director Edward King III. And I've looked it up. He's done some other short films, but nothing uh, I would say of note. The plot is, a loving father of two fights to keep his sanity and his family as his husband's mind slips away from complications sustained in an accident. Featuring Eric Roberts as Alex's dad slash Jim Walsh. Uh, the film has actually already won a few awards. So if you are uh, the kind of person who attends short film festivals, you might be able to check out 30 Days to Say Goodbye right now. I'm going to keep my eyes open for it. It actually sounds really, uh, really interesting. And might uh, we might get a little bit of dramatic acting from one Mr. Eric Roberts. And speaking of dramatic acting, <laughs> we're going to be covering Power 98 Oh, yeah. In just a moment. <laughs> Before we take our first break, I want to go over to you, Dave Cat. Dave Cat. Yes. Why did you make us watch Power <laughs> Because I feel you should suffer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Any other reason? <laughs> well, you know, again, going back to the fact that I couldn't do Runaway Train, I couldn't do Doctor Who the movie. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and you'd mm. already done that in a previous episode. So it's just like, ugh. And then you'd covered everything else, and I couldn't think of it. I want to get something. I'll tell you this. I was, like, looking through the list of things that Eric had done on Wikipedia. Right. And Power 98 kind of struck me as kind of like being somewhat like The Room. Hmm. And, of course, the whole six, the Mark Unleashed seemed like, you know, a total, like, mid-2000 or early 2000, you know, Christian propaganda film. So I'm like, okay, there's got to be some Drek 
factor in this. So we we prepare to say we uh, we prefer to say faith based film. It's <laughs> yeah, a more politically correct version. Thank you, <laughs> Dave Ken. Dave Ken, if you if you cornered me in an elevator and had to explain to me your feelings on the Doctor Who movie star uh, featuring, I should say, Eric Roberts, what would those thoughts be? I was confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it like fits in with Doctor Who canon, you know, which is great. But it was just like, I mean, I'd been into Doctor Who since like 1984. I'd been watching the show since, you know, the, the early 80s. And when it went on its hiatus in like 87 and then the Doctor Who movie was announced, I was like, oh, my God, Doctor Who's back on television. And then, you know, I'd watched it. And I was just like, Eric Roberts is playing the master. I, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with Eric Roberts back then. And it was just like, it seemed like a weird, weird choice. So I was like, well, he's played, you know, the context I'd gotten from him is that he played a lot of villains. So I was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. he's playing a villain as the master, but it was a very strange choice that they selected him for. So now, what did you think of Paul McGann as the doctor? It took me years to realize that Paul McGann as the doctor was the same Paul McGann. From with and I. <laughs> exactly. It was just like, that's, wait, wow. And we have the same birthday, 14th of November. He's aged well, that Paul McGann, I think. Yes, he has. Yeah. <laughs> just, just that's my that's my lasting feelings on Paul McGann as the Doctor. You know, revisiting it for this podcast, uh, the the movie, the Eric, the, the Eric Roberts movie, I was going to say, the, the Doctor <laughs> Who movie from '96. That was actually my first real exposure to Doctor Who. I had uh, I had seen like reruns and things like that of uh, 1970s episodes, but uh, but I certainly wasn't inter- interested up to that point with the canon. But I remember Fox really pushing it before it aired and yeah. watching it, like like you said. I was just confused from beginning to end. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> Since then, I've watched a lot of Doctor Who. So uh, revisiting it, I, I actually had, I think, a deeper appreciation, especially because they've made efforts in recent years to tie it a little closer into continuity, and they brought Palm again back and things like yes. that. So That's very cool. I think I think I think a lot of people have made peace with it, and uh, and oddly, with my Eric Roberts Twitter searches on a regular basis, I find a lot of people praising his performance as the Master, which and I think a, f- a few years back that was a pretty rare thing. In all honesty, I have not seen it since 1996, so I, I would like to reassess it. And of course, you can't see it unless we ask you to watch it for a podcast, and I can see. Damn it! <laughs> that would be really frustrating. <laughs> we're gonna take our first break, and when we return, we're gonna talk about. 1996's, also 1996's, Power 98 featuring Eric Roberts. Join us after this. Carlin Pickett is a Los Angeles disc jockey who shocks his audience with outrageous stunts and crude jokes. John Price is a young DJ who joins his show. When women start turning up dead and the alleged killer keeps calling the station, the ratings go sky high and the cops begin looking for clues on Power 98. That's right, Power 98 from 1996 starring Eric Roberts and uh, as Carlin Pickett, the shock jock, yes, this features this movie features Eric Roberts as a uh, a shockular jocular 
DJ on the radio. In fact, I think you could compare him to like a Howard Stern type character or a Opie and Anthony-esque or a Bubba the Love Sponge type guy. Except in the context of this movie, he it's the most tame. Like, I mean, I, again, I don't want to step on, on the other two commentators here. But like the shit they show him do is, let me just give you an example. And I'm talking to you, the listeners. So he gets a intern to come in, a female intern. And then he gets, like, three of the people who work on his show to get behind glass and then uh, three males and to pull down their pants. And she then ranks their asses from one to three. And that is supposed to be so crude and rude and shock in shocking, I guess that's the word, that people are literally, they're like, I got to get to my radio and hear this person rank asses because this yeah. is... I got to tune into this shit. Now, I was alive in the mid-90s. However, I wasn't in an area that got a lot of shock jock type radio. In fact, I lived in a place which had very limited radio options. So I chose to do other stuff instead. Um, but but maybe we just have gotten so cynical and maybe we've just been exposed to so much with the power of the internet that maybe that's why it seems so tame to watch this now. But I have to say, I actually enjoyed Power 98 because of how fucking goofy a lot of it is. But I will say it wore out its welcome at about the halfway mark. That's just my feeling. Let's turn to our guest, Dave Cat. I'm guessing this was your first experience with Power 98. What were your thoughts? Yes. Um, it was very – I'll tell you the, the prevailing thought I had at the end of the film. It, it just seemed weird because it was like – I was looking at the entry on IMDb. I'm like trying to figure out exactly like, you know, if this was shown in theaters or if it was straight to DVD because <laughs> it just had this weird production value where it's like higher than a low budget film, but it doesn't seem like it was ever shown in theaters. It's like, right. well, I understand that there is an audience for this film, you know, the shock jock enthusiasts, and obviously it's riding the wave, like you said, of Howard Stern and all the other shock jocks. And then, of course, you know, Eric Roberts enthusiasts. But who is this <laughs> film made for exactly? It was it was a thriller, but there weren't too many thrills. Uh, Jenny Garth never left the house. Did you yeah. notice that? Very strange to have a name actress in this movie. And, I mean, certainly 1996 Jenny Garth would yeah. be someone that people would recognize. She ha she has very little profile in this movie. Yes. It was very bizarre. It was just – <laughs> you know, it, it's it was it was a film. It was a motion picture. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a motion picture. Let's let's slap that on the poster. Power ninety eight. A motion picture. Liam O'Don Liam O'Donnell, you grew up in the big city, um, <laughs> and, and I'm sure you were exposed to your share of shock jocks. Uh, how do you feel that Eric Roberts stands up to your own favorites? Well, I mean, let me be very clear up front that I actually have no experience with shock jocks whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I, I, I okay, I, I shouldn't say no. I've listened to a, a little bit of them. Here's what I noticed. Eric Roberts wasn't funny. In fact, what, what struck me is the, the shock jocks that I am somewhat familiar with. I picture them as Northeast things. as like, as like Philly, New York, like, sure, of course. Of, yeah, especially, you know, uh, Howard Stern is very, was very New York, whatever. But like, uh, what what he's what Eric Roberts is doing in this movie feels very L.A., which is the guy who takes himself very seriously. Like what he's doing is not funny. It's supposed to be actually sexy. And that's yeah. where you kind of lose me. Like the idea that 
Howard Stern is getting turned on by somebody in the studio and you're supposed to care about that. Yeah. That's still funny to me. Like that's still funny. And what Eric Roberts is doing is like you're listening in your car being like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's so fucking hot. (laughs) He's talking about sexy things in a sexy voice on the radio. And that to me from moment one of this movie, I thought. No, no, nope. That's not a thing. Nah. And then these were the two disconnects immediately with the movie where I could not follow the movie. A, this like, oh, people are really into his sexy voice talking about sexy things on the radio, and and it's not funny. It's supposed to be actually sexy, and I'm I'm immediately I'm lost. B, the idea that any radio host, no matter how sexy they are or are not, would immediately jump from fucking Phoenix, Arizona to L.A., yes. let alone in yes. the 90s when Phoenix was like a fucking backwater. Like, now Phoenix is one of the larger cities in America, but in the fucking 90s, nobody lived there. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah. They didn't really – did they cover how long it took him to go from Phoenix to L.A.? I mean, I think no. the suggestion was just that it was just a few months. Well, and especially with the idea that he, like – uh, killed somebody by mistake, yeah. and he's like, "I gotta get out of here." I know. I'm going <laughs> no, no one will ever discover me here. Okay, <laughs> let me let me further describe the plot to our listeners who almost certainly haven't seen Power ninety eight. I'm not even sure if this movie has currently had a, a DVD release, so it's probably a little hard to track down. So Eric Roberts is this shock jock in Phoenix. We start the movie with him having a one night stand. He accidentally kills the person he's with. Then it just shows him. Moving to Los Angeles, we don't even see it in fact, and he starts to work at a radio station that has just been purchased uh, and now is run by Stephen Tobolowsky, and he's going to be the new kind of drive time radio DJ and he's going to do his shock jock stuff. He brings on a protege who is a guy who already works at the station who thinks he's never going to get a shot at being on the air, has a great demo tape. Okay, I just want to note right here, when he gets on the air, this guy's the most boring fucking dude in the world. Yeah. And he thinks that uh, somehow him talking about himself masturbating is going to be like... It is going to open so many – it's going to – it's like watching an Alejandro Jodorowsky movie for the first time. People are in their cars. They're like, oh my god, right? This has changed my life forever hearing about this guy jerking off. Anyway, so uh, we discover that Eric Roberts is a creep. Surprise, surprise. And uh, at the very end of the movie, spoiler alert, we find out that Eric Roberts has been murdering people. And he's actually trying to, in a very convoluted way, uh, pin the murders on this protege guy. The way that the center of the movie works is Eric Roberts comes up with this great idea that he's going to have people call into his show and confess their biggest crimes that they've committed, just anonymous crimes. And someone calls in and talks about that uh, he murdered somebody in a very similar way to what we see at the beginning of the movie. And then Eric Roberts reveals to this protege guy that he had um, planned, like this was a fake person who called and he did it for ratings, which somehow then spurred a big police investigation. Anyway, besides that, we discover at the end of the movie that Eric Roberts was actually voicing the caller that he used this weird uh, like playback system <laughs> on the phone to like auto call and get through. And he had it. So basically he was calling himself and, he, and this totally worked exactly as he wanted to. Anyway, the end of the movie, Eric Roberts gets shot and falls out of a window. Power 98 from 1996. I got to say something about that playback system. He Please. was using uh, what was – it was a four-track recorder. It was uh-huh. a Fostex because I was in a couple of bands, and we've used those to, like, record our music. And I was just like, yeah, what he's doing with those dials, you don't do that with the dials. He's, like, changing the pitch and whatnot. It's just like, that's not what those dials do in real life. 
well, uh, the master of sound, Eric Roberts, knows this equipment. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sorry. And also, Sorry. I've I've seen him play a guitar, or at least stand next to someone who is playing a guitar. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, so obviously, he knows what he's doing. So, the shock jock material in this movie is, as we've already kind of established, is really ridiculous. And the idea that the ratings... I mean, we're supposed to believe that something like 35% of all radios in Los Angeles, California have turned to this radio show because of how fucking crazy and... I I, I mean... That was the thing that got me, too. It's just like, they've never done this before in LA. Right! Okay, right. Yeah. Right, right! And like, like this this is... I mean, I guess in the the universe of Power 98, (laughs) there are no other shock jocks, right? No one has listened to Eric Roberts' show and been like, hey, I can just tell people to take their clothes off when they're at home and make (laughs) orgasmic sounds into their telephone, and I can get big ratings, too. It's not like he has this great radio voice. It's not like he has this hilarious (laughs) manner to him. It just... It just seems so... Especially when he brings on, when he brings on, I don't, I haven't listened to a lot of Howard Stern, but my understanding is that the people that he surrounds himself with, they all have kind of distinctive talents. He had, he used to have Jackie the Joke Man, Marling, who would do like funny com- comments because he's a comedian, right? He would add to the show that way. And then you'd have the news person and then you'd have the person who would do like a bunch of funny sound effects or do a bunch of funny voices, right? So he brought on a guy who can't do anything. <laughs> who all yeah. he is is the sounding board to boringly reply to questions that he asks and it and that's supposed to have spiked his ratings what a strange movie power yes. 98 is i think that's the best theory that i mean what you just came up with in this world that power 98 takes place in it's an alternate universe and that's why you can like give a pass to like all the stuff that happens in this film now this, in, i have to I, ask you know, oh liam please do can i just the, you know what this reminds me of did you ever see like when someone is uh, caricaturing Hollywood? There's just a bunch of guys in a room who talk like they're in a you know a 30s or 40s movie, and they're just saying things that are popular as if that will make a movie. Like that's what this movie feels like. It's like I don't know what's big right now. I don't know jocks, uh, shock jocks, yeah, radio, yeah. People yeah. really like the radio, blah, 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 blah. which is by the way so ridiculous that you would think like. Yeah, we're really going to take the sexy world of radio and blow it up on the screen, which is why there's such a convoluted and ridiculous murder plot, because radio is actually not that interesting. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the Howard Stern movie, which is way more interesting than this movie. Yeah, it's still not a great movie. (laughs) Yeah, I'd forgotten that existed. Yeah, oh, it, yeah, I think it came out like the year after this, which I guess, you know, this was prime time to be a shock jock enthusiast in the later half of the 1990s. Um, do you now this movie came at a very interesting time for thrillers, right? Because the early 90s up to the mid 90s were dominated by erotic thrillers in the basic instinct mold, the color of night mold, the body of evidence mold. But mm-hmm. this was past that, right? So this was entering the, the part of the uh, later 90s where you had to have more twists and you had to have kind of a higher concept of things. I will admit, I actually found the first half of this movie, which was about a shock dj you know taking on a young guy who was enthusiastic the guy gets sort of um uh he, he gets obsessed with the fame of it and it starts to twist him from being a nice guy to being an asshole and then he loses his girlfriend and then he has to find you know that actually is a story even though it's kind of made for tv ish type movie that's a story which kind of has an emotional hook on it 
doesn't it seem entirely separate from the murder plot altogether? It seems yeah. like an entirely different movie that's sort of been attached they shoehorned it. it in, yeah. Yeah, it which is, is ex- exactly what you were even suggesting, Liam, which is that, or, or uh, maybe Dave Catter was you, where the idea that what is hot at the moment, it's shock jocks. So let's take this other idea and we'll, we'll meld them together. But in this movie, they feel really, really separate. And, uh, and it never works for me, even though that kind of first half of it, I felt like even though I didn't care about it, like the care about the characters necessarily, the drama of someone trying to achieve something in this field – I guess I, I guess I was engaged enough with it that I was like, "Hey, I want to see where this goes." And then when I discovered where it went, I was not a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a strange ending. It was, I mean, a strange resolution and a strange ending, you know. And of course, the whole thing with Larry Drake being one of the cops—that Larry be- Drake. And it, you know the weirdest thing too—he's not listed in the cast or credits for like the IMDb listing. Yeah, what is up with that? I mean, that was yeah. definitely Larry Drake. I wasn't seeing things. Liam, was I seeing yeah. things? No, that was him. The late Larry Drake. Yes. It's like, oh, it's a guy from L.A. Law, you know. Dr. Giggles himself. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, what's his name? A dark man. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Durant. Robert Durant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, Larry Drake is in this movie as a really a cop, a very thankless role as a cop yeah. who who is part of the two cops who will then shotgun blast Eric Roberts out a window at the end of the movie. But he doesn't even get to be the one to shoot the shotgun. <laughs> they really can't figure out what these cops what the tone is like the cops keep going between like we know what's really going on here and they'd be like no nah, we don't it's cool yeah this radio show is great i love this radio show and then the next scene they're like staring at the camera like oh maybe they know what's going on oh nope they have no idea what's going on Lee, i, I want to got the impression that they were kind of trying to both do the good cop as a yeah. good cop, bad cop thing. <laughs> that's right. just like right. no they have no clue right a, i don't like coffee i like tea would yeah. you like some tea <laughs> That's that's character development right there. <laughs> well, they, th- that's the thing. The guy was such a good cop that I thought there's no way they they got to know. Like no cop would be this nice. Like, there has to be <laughs> exactly. something going on. Exactly. Liam, explain Eric Roberts' plan to me. So okay, apparently, ever since Eric Roberts dropped a woman off a balcony post coitus in the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's been, been figuring out a way that he could pin this murder on somebody and why not do it while also boosting his ratings and getting attention in LA. So, uh, somehow he brings this, this is the part that I actually find confusing. (laughs) Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Sorry. (laughs) I don't want to interrupt you, Liam, but like, isn't it really, (laughs) it's, isn't it going to be really strange when they find out that someone was murdered in Phoenix and then a murder happens in L.A., and then a guy can, – Can I be honest here? I actually think there's a mistake in editing. Like right. that – like they just didn't realize until later on. They're like, wait a minute. Oh, we never really explained why he murdered another woman in L.A. Like, yeah. So if it's the same woman – like, okay, so the whole movie, you think what's going on – at least not the whole movie. By the time it becomes clear that Eric Roberts is likely the killer – I think what's going on is that Eric Roberts has acquired a taste for murder based off of the time that he had sex with a woman and she fell off <laughs> a, a fire escape. Yeah. And so 
for some reason, which, by the way, would be the most interesting of all of these movies where someone kills someone by mistake and then suddenly has to start killing people. This is the strangest because everything we see before this is actually total remorse. It's like the Eric Roberts we see in that moment does not seem like a guy who's then like, all right, let's get this lady's body up. Let's bring her to L.A. Let's see if we can pin this on some other kids by having my co-host on a radio show. My very, very long-term plan. How does he even orchestrate the takeover of the radio station? Like, any sense. Why does he even need to pin the first murder on someone? He obviously got away with it. It's yeah. months later. He's just drawing attention to himself. He's just like, oh, and by the way, guess what I did in Phoenix, you know? And let me structure That's right. You're exa- yeah, you're right. You're just – he's drawing cops to the radio station to <laughs> search for somebody. And he – I mean, yeah, it's a really ridiculous plan that when it doesn't work, I almost want to yell at Eric Roberts' character. <laughs> what was his name again? Carlin. Carlin A. I want to yell at Carlin Pickett that, of course it didn't work. You're so dumb. How did you expect this was ever going to work? Enjoy your shotgun blast to the chest and out the window you go. The movie really seems to suggest that if it wasn't for that one cop's comment about the smell of cyanide, (laughs) he would have gone off that edge. So our protege character, who we haven't named at all, I guess his name is John Price in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He... Uh, at the end of the movie, gets poisoned by Eric Roberts, who then explains his entire plan in a very James Bond villain way. And while this is going on, he's pretending that he has been poisoned by cyanide. But earlier in the movie, a cop explained to him that cyanide has a almond-like smell. So when he was given a drink just a few minutes before, and we saw him look at it for a second, and and when it, it cut away from him, the audience, we know... Hey, he must have switched the drinks, but Eric Roberts doesn't know that. And he's all shocked. He's also shocked by the idea that the person, that John, the person who's been poisoned or supposedly poisoned, he knows that he has a gun. For some reason, he thinks that while understanding that he's going to be poisoned, he's going to be too upset to then point the gun at the guy who poisoned him. Yeah. Right? I mean, that is so crazy, right? <laughs> it's just like, dude's got a piece. Oh, no, don't worry. This poison will be faster than a gun. Yeah, right? Especially when he has like a whole monologue at the guy as he's going, uh, ooh, <laughs> but then, I'm poisoned. But then, <laughs> but then John Price pulls out his gun and doesn't stop to be like, oh, man, uh, Eric Roberts is right by another gun. I should maybe tell him to step away from that gun. Like nothing about this scene that again, I, in a vague way, like we're at a bar. You Mm -hmm. asked me, Hey Liam, you you had any ideas for a movie? And yeah, I I got an idea. Let me tell you about this radio idea. That's about the level of detail. The movie gets to is like someone vaguely described the idea over a couple drinks and then they just shot it from that. Like, that's the whole <laughs> plot development. They greenlight it, yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. Well, now we need to talk about the most important part of the movie before we finish up here. What's up with Eric Roberts in <laughs> Power 98? What do we think of his performance? You're our guest today, Dave Cat. What did you think of Eric Roberts, the actor, the actor. in Power 98? Well, it's... <sighs> He he. Com- <laughs> That's the thing. Everything I know from Eric Roberts, ninety percent of the things that he plays are like kind of weedy, slimy ne'er do wells. That's fair. <laughs> he he did ne'er do well quite well. You know, it's like he started out the film, you know, kind of being like you know a cad. You know, he's constantly flirting with women. You know, being like this shock jock guy, and he's like having a one off stand with a woman that oh no, he accidentally killed her. I think wah, at that wah. moment when he like you know he, he, like sat down on the fire escape, it was like oh my god, oh my god. I think his mind snapped. Right. And that actually, that scene right there actually was like that's 
actually semi-decent acting, Mm -hmm. you know. But it was just like, for the rest, it seemed like he was acting at a level of just above coasting, you know, just above autopilot. (laughs) I mean, I don't doubt that he puts like 100% of his acting into each and every role that he gets, no matter how small slash shit they are. Mm Mm-hmm. But it it was just it just seemed like he was just like, you know what, I'm just doing this and I know only like maybe forty people are gonna see this film, so let's get this done, but at least I could say that I did a good job. And I think he did a good job. He did an okay job. It, <laughs> it, it was yeah. He coasted yeah. and did a okay job. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Above mediocre. Now uh that's uh, Suggesting that he did a mediocre job is, of course, an offensive, offensive thing to hear on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. In fact, the, the very suggestion goes against the title of our show. So I'm just going to toss it over to Liam. <laughs> Liam, what did you think of the Eric Roberts shock jock performance in Power 98? I, I actually didn't mind it. I feel like all, if I'm forced to lay fault for this terrible movie, uh, <laughs> I would lay it all at the I would lay it all at the feet of the writing, directing, and even editing of the film, um, and possibly a little bit on our man Jason Gedrick's performance as John Price. Who he is just, pretty awful. I have oh, to say. it's just a fart in the wind the whole time. Hmm, to yeah. the extent that even like Jenny Garth, who I don't consider a great actress, when when they're on screen, it, it's like crackles. Oh. It feels like she's teaching him how to act in those scenes. Like yeah. it's like she's like, "Come on, come on, we can do this. Let's, <laughs> let's make this happen." Uh, hey, hey yeah. Liam, how, how about that scene where he's uh, he's going to get his like big shot the next day? So he's laying in bed, and he's like re- reciting the lines he's going to say the next day <laughs> yeah. over and over again. And she like w- she's asleep, and she just kind of wakes up for a second. She's like, "Turn off the TV." <laughs> what do you think about that scene? <laughs> again uh, it's it, it would work for a skit like let's let like we're doing a performance for young children like that's sort of the level of the writing of this movie i i, I but let i mean getting back to eric roberts i you know i like it when he's the smarmy guy like i feel like that is actually like a sweet spot for me with sure. him and his performances. Um, yeah, I don't know that he's great in the movie, but I don't think uh, he completely phones it in. And I feel like any problems I had with it, maybe it was just what I was focused on. I was focused on what was one of the worst scripts that we've seen for one of these movies, which is saying a lot to me. <laughs> um, I, it's more professional, obviously, than like a Dark Moon Rising, but it is. <laughs> It is be- it is below, say, um, stalked by my doctor for sure. No, no kidding. Now, the director and writer of Power ninety eight, uh, one Mister Jamie Hellman, he went on to direct the TV movie documentary "Addicted to Plastic Surgery" in two thousand four, uh. <laughs> uh, capture POW stories in two thousand five, and extreme aerialists, the world's best tightrope walkers. In 2005. Okay. So, you know, he's gone on to great success. So that's good to know. Um, I, th- I think a lot of those projects don't really rely on his writing talent. So maybe he really found his niche after Power 98, which seems to be the only feature film that he actually went on to make. Sadly, I guess we all lost out on that. Uh, Power 98, I would agree with both of you, Eric Roberts. I wouldn't say he necessarily phones it in, but he is hampered significantly by a script that makes him a shock jock and then doesn't give him anything shocking to say. He's uh, the brightest star in the film. 
He's the brightest star in the film, which should be the motto of Eric Roberts. It's the fucking man. <laughs> uh, but that does bring us to the, the, the topic, the question that our, our podcast asks every episode. In this movie, Power 98, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Let's go over to you first, Liam. Uh, you know, despite a very weak film for him to be performing in, I still think he's the man in this. If God didn't want us to masturbate, he would have made our arms shorter. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Dave Cad, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Power 98? I would agree that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I mean, you know, he's got the star power, mm. and he is the linchpin of the film. Without Eric Roberts playing Carlin Pickett, you would not have Power 98 <laughs> in this weird alternate universe Earth where, you know, talking about testicles on the radio is, a, oh my God, it's offensive. He's got three testicles, you see. That's right. But, you know, uh, John didn't check. <laughs> that, that, we're not just bringing that up randomly, listeners. That, that's a conversation that happens, happens in this fucking dumb movie. Anyway, <laughs> Eric Roberts, of course, is the fucking man in Power 98. He is the only reason to watch this movie, uh, which is not really a good enough reason to watch Power 98 from 1996. A really badly written and mostly badly acted movie, which has very little of interest in it. And I do have to say, I'm not sure, and this is something my brother brought me brought to my attention today, when Eric Roberts is shotgun blasted out of the window at the end, he gets shot in the chest, then turns around and gets shot in the back, again, with a, with a shotgun, and as he's coming down off that building, his arms are flailing left and right, I'm just thinking that's not likely. I'm well, just thinking you know, it's very, very low caliber shotgun shells. It's like, a good point. It barely yeah. seems to, to get through his uh, oddly thick sweater and mom jeans <laughs> that he's wearing in that scene. Power 98 from 1996. I would not call it a winner, but Eric Roberts is, of course, a winner to us all. Let's take a break and then we're going to come back for the main event of this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Yes, it's 2004's faith based classic, Six, The Mark Unleashed. We'll be back in just a minute. In the last days before Armageddon, three men must make must made. It says, "Why does it say that?" <laughs> three men, <laughs> three men must made one eternal choice: receive the mark of the devil or stand for Christ. This movie will make you think about your own life choices. Yeah, that's the IMDb plot summary. Uh, it did make me uh, think about one of my life choices: the one which involved me watching six. The Mark Unleashed from 2004, a faith-based movie, which, like a lot of faith-based movie, is about Armageddon and the rise of the Antichrist. And, um, again, I, I am not going to sit here and uh, mock faith-based cinema and what they are trying to achieve in a lot of these films. Um, I will say that a lot of the ones that I have seen, 
uh, even the ones without Eric Roberts in them, have been strikingly poor. But I do recognize that some of them I know are, are beloved by uh, people of faith and people who are not of faith as well. So I want to be very fair in our treatment of Six the Mark Unleashed. I want to mention, by the way, that this is a comparatively star-studded affair. It does have the great Stephen Baldwin <laughs> as the character of Luke. It, ha- it stars Eric Roberts as the character of Dallas. We'll get into that in a little bit. But its real star is Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Tom Newman. Uh, I don't... I I was... When I first uh, was looking at the cast list of this after it was uh, recommended to me by Dave Cat, um, I was surprised that Jeffrey Dean Morgan was in this. Of course, this is 2004. It's before he rose to fame in, in projects like Watchmen, of course. and That's where uh, I knew him from. Right. And, and uh, The Losers, I think he's in that as well. Uh, and, of course, he recently joined the cast of The Walking Dead and has a very major uh, part in that. But, uh, but, no, this stars Jeffrey Dean Morgan as, uh, well... We'll get into that in just a bit. Let's talk about what your thoughts were on the movie. Let's start with you, Liam. What did you think of Six, The Mark Unleashed? Did you think it was going to be about that character from Blossom? <laughs> wow. God, that have been That's a, a deep much, cut. <laughs> much better film. Um, let's see. Well, I, I feel like I've established this as a, as a, uh, as a regular measure on this show. Mm. So it is not quite as bad as Dark Moon Rising. Okay. So let's start there. It's not right. it's not actually unwatchable. However, um I would take Sicilian Vampire over this. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, without a doubt I would take Sicilian Vampire over this. This is uh this is a uh a film that the I mean, I, you were being very nice to faith-based cinema, so mm-hmm. uh I, I will allow myself a little bit of leeway to say um Sometimes in anything, any faith-based art, the ideological intent can overtake the artistic intent. And so in this film, the message is far more important than anything like a dramatic arc or plot that makes sense or characters that do things that normal humans would do. And so a lot of the movie, besides not being entertaining, doesn't make sense. Uh, Things happen that you can just say like, oh, that's fine because God did it. And then we can even create a situation in which we literally need a deus ex, a deus ex machina, like literally have to just be like, and then the miracle man has showed up to save them because <laughs> there's no way out of this situation without. It. Oh it's... boy. Not, not to interject here, but I will say that if you're going to put the God in the machine in a movie, a faith-based Armageddon movie is actually one you can probably get away with. it. <laughs> right. But exactly. But that's the thing is that they don't have to write a good story because they could just be like, Oh, did we ride ourselves into a hole here? Well, that's fine. We'll just have Jesus Man show up. <laughs> Jesus Man. <Yeah>. Before, <laughs> before. Oh boy. <laughs> thing. I mean, any like you said, a lot of these, a lot of these films take a stab at revelation and trying to plan that out, and that is not something I think works. On any level. Before I get over to you, Dave Cat, I want to mention uh, a couple years ago I was on a podcast where we were watching four faith-based Armageddon movies for it. So uh, starting with A Thief in the Night, which might be the well most well-known Armageddon-based uh, faith-based movie from the 70s, uh, and Mark of the Beast. I can't remember. I think the Omega Code was one of them. Um, and what I discovered from those movies is that it's really hard to understand. Like, like my understanding, and please 
forgive my lack of knowledge in regards to this area, is that after Armageddon and the rapture, now in the, in the context of this movie that we're watching, the rapture, instead of people kind of being whisked away and just leaving their clothes on the ground, there's just been a lot of people murdered and theoretically they've all gone to heaven. Yeah. Uh, right? So that's what we're supposed to think in this movie. And actually, that's a little bit easier to swallow in the sense, in the context of these Armageddon movies, because if you saw all these people being raptured, and then there's a opportunity while the Antichrist is being raising to power uh, to then, you know, believe in God and believe in uh, Christianity, and that will allow you to then also go to heaven. Well, once you've seen this act, this supernatural act of all these people being raptured, well, of course you're going to believe in God then, because then you have this physical proof, right? That's the thing that I had trouble with in this movie, where you're exactly right, Liam. They are, this demonstration of God power is given to the people who need it in order to have their faith. But that's exactly the thing that's sort of denied to people in the real world for the most part, right? Where it's based on faith. You're, where you're told in the movie, hey, you should have faith, but it's a lot easier to have faith when you have someone showing up and making your car invisible from, <laughs> from some, yeah, the stuff that can be theoretically explained away. Anyway, over to you, Dave Cat. What did you think of this movie? Yeah, I mean, you two basically covered the the majority of it i will say this i found it more enjoyable than power 98 uh <laughs> i guess maybe it was like the dystopian factor the the knowing that i was going into a cheesy film a faith-based film like kind of made it a little more entertaining for me but i mean yeah the plot holes oh my god it was just it seemed that the film like you know it took place a third of it was in a correctional facility with very low security you know <laughs> and that was weird uh the thing that really struck me also is that they managed to put that logo everywhere the uh the supposed three sixes and that kind of spirally circle thing you know but it was... I, like, I, I like how these Armageddon movies presuppose that anyone who's not a Christian has no idea about what the Armageddon is going to entail. So when someone comes around with a symbol that's obviously three sixes and wants you to put like a tracking device under your skin and stuff that no one would recognize, hey, didn't it mention that in the Bible? Yeah. You know, it was just, yes, I can see the point that they're trying to make with that. It's just like, okay, you know, to be a good Christian and, you know, do right, do well and follow the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, and this won't happen to you. But it's just like, I mean, can I can I use the phrase preaching to the choir here, mm, or is that like too ironic? Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's a lot of leeway for the, you know, intended audience, where it's just like, yeah, yeah, we can allow like for plot contrivances and silliness and plot holes and whatnot, but everyone else, you're just going, oh, I mean, the thing with Elijah Cohen that you'd mentioned there, Liam, Elijah Cohen being the stand-in for Jesus or magical God guy or whatever, where he like shows up at the end, the big climactic scene, and like. It was just like, okay, so he just comes in and all the armed guards that were pointing their guns at, like, you know, our, our protagonist suddenly drop to the floor. Okay, are they unconscious? Are they dead? What's going on with that? How did he do that? How did he make the main evil guy blind and frozen <laughs> in place? It, it is just very – I didn't understand that part. That was the thing that, like, I really got hung up on. I mean – Okay, there are several things I got hung up on. But... <laughs> there's, a lot, there's certainly a lot of material to get hung up on here. The movie does feature David A.R. White, who uh, fans of the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast will remember that he also was the lead and um, actually I think the director of Revelation Road, also featuring Eric Roberts, and recently appeared as Reverend Dave in God's Not Dead 2. He's, uh, he's gone on after this movie to basically be the guy for a lot of faith-based cinema. And uh, let's just face it, it's probably an insufferable human. Going back over to you, Liam. 
say. <laughs> Going back over to you, Liam, do you actually agree with uh, Dave Cat that this is a movie that preaches to the choir for the most part? Well, yeah, I, I, yes and no. It, it, it We're forgetting that this movie, to me at least, is designed for people who are in sort of church-dominated do- communities right. who've, like, started to some extent to think for themselves. So, like, the same as God's Not Dead, any of these movies, like, no one who is actually far away from that culture uh, is sitting down to watch these movies. The people who are sitting down to watch these movies are the are the people who, for whom, this is just a confirmation of what they already believe, right. or the people who are like, oh, no, I've started to, like, have a little bit of premarital sex or you know i read a book that was like by a liberal and like that's the other aspect of this movie is like the conflation of the sort of like antichrist led new world government with like various forms of communism and communal ideas like it's it's not just faith-based it's also right-wing it's also american it's all you know what i mean like it is a certain kind of faith that is very particular to this time and, and place. And so that was like uh, very much evidence so that the people watch. I mean, if this was a faith based movie from one of the like two millennia old Christian communities in other parts of the world, then it, it would be a movie that actually was bringing a message to a new group of people because right. your average American Christian d- d- doesn't even know there are Christians in those countries, let alone. Mm-hmm that they have a different tradition and different culture than they do. I love how they treat the rest of the world in this movie, which is most of it's been wiped out. <laughs> yeah. Hand wave them. Matter, right? Of course, <laughs> of course, all these events would only happen in America because all these other places are just other places. They don't really matter. I made a joke on Twitter a little earlier today that a lot of these faith-based um, cinema that you're going to have to go back and re-edit them because the rise of the Antichrist it's so easy to parallel with almost any rise of any political leader. But, I mean, especially, uh, you know, especially with Donald Trump at the moment. And, again, I don't want to get into that necessarily. <laughs> but it's really hard not to see, like, like if he tomorrow, he he started suggesting that we should get some sort of mechanical implant in our hand. It, it totally wouldn't surprise me at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> put, it, put, put it, you know, first you have to get... You have to take a test, a citi- not a citizenship test, but basically a test of patriotism as you come into the- And then we'll put a little thing under your skin that looks sort of like 360s, 360s in a weird combination. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't be gold. I don't think anyone would, would bat a fucking eye. Anyway, um, it's a, I, w- I will say that one of the reasons I didn't find this movie very entertaining, and again, I can get some camp entertainment out of some of this faith-based cinema as well. I did find this one difficult for two reasons. One is the length. This movie is um, well over 90 minutes, and it does drag. And the reason it drags is my other reason that I didn't enjoy it, is that there's a lot of preachy scenes. Now, I don't mean to say that, hey, how surprising that there are preachy scenes in a faith-based movie, but there are like scenes where people legitimately just sit and monologue you know, thing, quotes from the Bible or uh, parables from the Bible or stories that are supposed to confirm things from the Bible. And it it feels a lot more heavy-handed than even, like like I said, A Thief in the Night is a very heavy-handed movie, no doubt about it. But I would watch that movie a dozen times before I'd watch this one again because at least it moves forward. And, of course, the production values on that is shit, are shit compared to this. But it, that's a movie that, that, again, has that forward momentum. This one, I just never felt like it was going anywhere outside of when is Jeffrey Dean Morgan 
Morgan going to abandon his atheism and accept Christ and get his head cut off like a decent human being. Uh, <laughs> even even some of the things that do happen in the movie, the message so much trumps like actual trumps. The message, quote unquote, so much uh, overwhelms the need to tell a rational story. Like the guy's telling the story about uh, his one encounter with uh, what's the name of the Jesus stand in again? Elijah Cohen. Cohen. So he wants everyone to know he had this experience. So what we see is there's a bunch of, I don't know, I guess they're refugees on a road. They're all in it. And he's just driving by in a fucking, what is that, an Iraq or something? <laughs> <laughs> And he's just mocking everybody, just mocking them. And then he just lets himself get jumped while he's in a car. <laughs> yeah, the fucking gas pedal. You're out of there. Like, exactly. why, why are you around hundreds of refugees? And you're just like, yeah, fuck you guys. Ugh. Like, it doesn't even make sense. And then they steal his car, but he finds the wreck of another car to sit against. And then Elijah Cohen shows up and he just starts quoting the Bible because Elijah Cohen's there. Like nothing. It's this to me, that scene was such a uh, microcosm of the entire problem with the movie, which is like, okay, here are a bunch of really basic, poorly thought out, not actually biblically accurate theological ideas that we want to shove down people's throats. So we just have to make the plot work for those things. And then we'll, you know, we'll throw in a couple quote unquote chase scenes to like liven it up. <laughs> but, but there's nothing in it that actually makes any sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's look, if this is the kind of movie you dig, you're probably going to dig it. But I think for your average audience who are going to accept this as a piece of entertainment, uh, and even like a faith-based piece of entertainment where you're supposed to watch it and enjoy it on any other level except for it preaching at you, then you're going to have a hard time with it. Because like you said, there are moments of, um, of brightness where they, they get away from the preaching for a moment and they give you a brief car chase, but none of it is interesting or well filmed and it all feels very perfunctory. And then the ending of the movie where, Yes, Jeffrey Dean Morgan does accept his Christianity and does get his head cut off like a decent Christian. <laughs> I will say the movie doesn't feel like it earned it at that point. Uh, in fact, this movie feels like it's over, and then it's like, no, no, it's not over. we got to convert this guy for real. And then the movie ends again, and then it gives you a nice Jesus quote on the screen because that's what you're supposed to have at the end of one of these movies. Um, oh. it, it, it just didn't feel like it, it – <laughs> it felt like when I was watching it – that he gets tortured at the beginning of the movie and he doesn't break and he doesn't like find faith in it. And then later on he gets tortured and within the torture, he finds his faith in Jesus. And to me, it's like, is that what this movie is? The torture that's going to bring me to faith? Yeah, um, that's not a very good message. Not the message I was hoping for out of, what's this movie called? Six. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Mark. I, I've, I've, I've fucked up the name of this movie like every time I was searching for it online. It's, it's, uh, it is not one that sticks in the memory. Now, listeners of this podcast may be wondering, hey, Doug, hey, Liam, why are you guys not talking about Eric Roberts and his massive role in this movie? Well, I'll tell you. Eric Roberts shows up at about the four or five minute mark of the movie. And he is a guy who uh, has refused to get the implant in his hand. 
Uh, and in fact, he's a friend of Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who at that point is sort of uh, bringing supplies, bootlegs and things like that. He's, he's bringing like bootleg DVDs and cigarettes and things like that. The sort of stuff that the oppressive Antichrist, but they don't call him that, um, has, has banned from society for whatever reason. You think he'd be really into smoking, to be honest with you. But anyway, he hasn't. He's been banned. So Eric Roberts is a holdout. So they have a discussion and then the baddies come in and then they take Eric Roberts outside and off screen, they fucking kill him. And that is his entire part in this movie. It's like 10 minutes worth of Eric Roberts. Not even 10 minutes. Not even close, in fact. I think maybe five minutes of Eric Roberts yeah. in this movie. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yeah, it was it was a letdown. That was a letdown, you know. It, it was I, a thankless I, role, too. It's very much a role that anybody could have played, right? It's like you kind of get the impression <clears> – <throat> That uh, the directors and producers had spent like their money on two things: the the Porsche that they had for the car chase, <laughs> and Eric Roberts. You know, and everything else is kind of superfluous. Yeah, I think that's that's very safe to say, <laughs> Liam. What what did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie? I mean, was Eric Roberts in this movie? I he was I, in this I mean, movie. He ap- appeared at the five minute mark. <laughs> I mean, that whole. I, the scene itself isn't even necessary. I mean, I guess it introduces us to Jeffrey Dean Morgan's wife in the movie, uh, but they could have done that a million other ways. Like it just felt like Eric Roberts again was not utilized to the best of his abilities. And even that whole thing, like, Oh, I, I, I just can't understand this idea that like, okay, so we're going to, the antichrist is going to raise up and then what he eliminates consumer goods. Like what is that? <laughs> like he bans he bans yeah. cinema like like classic cinema to the point where I guess this movie takes place far enough in the future where Eric Roberts' character Dallas has never heard of Schindler's List or or uh, Braveheart Sp- Braveheart or Spartacus I guess is maybe one of them and yeah. Ben Hur uh, but like he's never heard of of a Porsche yes yeah right yeah. right and like an all technology that exists seems to be from the time period where this movie was made how about that but yeah. but yeah so it's very difficult to understand what, no, what it doesn't that that whole scene just added to my feeling of frustration one because of you know i want more eric roberts and two uh none of this makes any sense yeah it's uh, uh what 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 we do get of eric roberts what did you think of of him in this dave cat uh it's it there wasn't enough of him i mean mm. i the thing is i'd seen six before i'd seen power 98 so i was thinking oh okay well there's gonna be plenty of them there. <laughs> no no there wasn't no there wasn't it was very yeah it's like liam said i mean he, that role could have been played by anyone and i i expected him okay it's like right you know he's like a marketeer or whatever he's got like goods that the people want and oh no he's been killed or has he i was thinking in the back of my mind maybe he hasn't been killed yeah he was, maybe he's he, coming back he was killed yeah, because, I mean, if, if any movie gives you the thought that maybe someone can come back at the end, it would be an Armageddon faith-based movie. Yeah, yeah, but it was very strange. It was just like, why why are you doing this, Eric? What do you, Did you need to make rent this month? Or, I mean, what, you know? Liam, do you think that Eric Roberts is a bigger movie star than Stephen Baldwin? So I'm actually going to say no. Mm-hmm. Only because in my – and this is purely anecdotal. In my everyday life, people know who Stephen Baldwin is. I still interact with people who have no idea who Eric Roberts is. Wow. How about contextually, right? Because if you said brother of Julia Roberts, father of Emma Roberts, they'd probably know, right? Because uh, do you think that they know Stephen Baldwin because he's one of the Baldwin brothers or because he was in The Usual Suspects? I think, I think you're right. It's by association. 
But um, I don't know, though. I don't know. Yeah, again, I I have to do a lot more. If I say, I think because it's so direct, if I say, you know, Stephen Baldwin, people are just like, oh, one of the Baldwins. I'm aware that there's Alec and then all of his brothers. (laughs) So that's just like something people are used to hearing about because Alec is still like in the public consciousness. Whereas like even Julia Roberts, I've interacted with people in their 20s who don't know that many Julia Roberts movies. I know someone in their 20s who's never heard of Kurt Cobain. Wow, I don't know what to make of that. Dave Cat, rank the Baldwin brothers. Now, see, that's the thing. I had forgotten that Stephen Baldwin existed. Mm -hmm. So at the top of the list, Alec, Mm -hmm. and then Stephen, and then David Arquette. All right. (laughs) That's fine. I I, I literally cannot name any of the other Baldwin brothers. How many are there? Isn't there a Billy? There's a Billy, right? There's a Billy, right? Right, yeah. And And what about the... Fat one from Vampires, from John Carpenter's Vampires. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was Billy. I don't know. No, no. Billy isn't Billy the one who was in Sliver. Huh. Which one was naked on crack, covered in his own shit? I think that was the one I was talking about. The fatter uh, one. I don't. Yeah. I shouldn't describe him like that. But I'm trying to work <laughs> it out here. Now, the important thing for all of our listeners to understand is that there's also Adam Baldwin from. Firefly, but he is not one of yeah. the Baldwin brothers. Oh, see, yeah, he's not related, to, and a lot of people do. And he is crazy, and yes. he's also like super religious and, and right wing crazy, like Stephen Baldwin is. But he is yeah. not related to the family, and that's an easy mistake to make, isn't it, Liam? Yeah, I didn't know. I had no idea. L- Liam, with now that we've described all the brothers, who's your least favorite Baldwin? Brother? <laughs> uh, probably the guy from Vampires. Why? Ugh. I don't. I mean, can I can I just say that the only Baldwin that I really feel like I need to interact with is Alec, and even then, not a huge fan. He's all right. I'll tell you, man. He is killing it as the host of Match Game. I'm I'm really excited about how good that, that show is. Sounds like a show I never want to watch. So I'm just whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I, fatherhood has changed you, man. Anyway, <laughs> this is uh, my feeling on him. He was he was kind of funny on Thirty Rock. He uh, he hit on my friend's girlfriend. And, yeah. uh, wow. yeah, I don't know. Seems, all, seems like an all right guy, I guess. He's Alec Baldwin. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That's, yeah. that's the pinnacle of Alec Baldwin-ness for me. Yeah, or draw a door from <laughs> Beetlejuice. Anyway, Stephen Baldwin is the worst Baldwin brother by far. And also, he's insufferable in this fucking movie. Oh, um, oh sweet Jesus. Yeah, no he's just... The, I could uh, not stand his character. I mean, yeah. they were, uh, literally all the, the actors in that film were just insufferable. But he you, was... You, the, Luke was the worst. Yeah. I don't understand how he knew things about Jeffrey Dean Morgan's yeah. character and d- d- didn't explain it. Yeah, he's, he has magic powers yeah. uh, because he, he reads the, the Bible and the well, Bible tells him things. And, and also, like, if you, if you speak very slowly, that's how people know that you're religious. Yes. Uh, apparently. You're very faithful, yeah. The thing that killed me, too, is that, like, you know, right off the bat when he's meeting Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character, it's just like, oh, what do you think the story means? Oh, well, I think it means blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then, you know, Luke says, well, Tom, you're a fool. And, and then, then he, doesn't explain it. Then he lays down. He's like, did you hear me? You're a fool. Yeah. It's <laughs> and, like, wow, you are a dick. I'm glad <laughs> they did give us a scene where Jeffrey Dean Morgan beats the living shit out of him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's well earned. Justice is served. Justice. I mean, there was a very there was a very cynical part of me that was like, does Stephen Baldwin think his character is autistic? And this is just his like really fucked up portrayal of that, because he didn't come across like wise. He came across like 
I have trouble interacting with humans and I don't understand emotions yeah. and I don't know how to express myself in a, in a way that's not like just frustrating. I just like his, yeah. his final words are like, pick up the hitchhiker. <laughs> God wants you to pick up the hitchhiker. It's so important. The hitchhiker, by the way, will be played by one of the producers of this movie <laughs> and will be clearly the worst actor in it. Yeah. We, we only hear him say like two lines. Anyway. What did everyone think of uh, Eric Roberts in this movie? We already asked that question, but what I really want to say is, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in six mark of the whatever? Let's start with you, Dave Cat. I would say yes. Eric Roberts is definitely the fucking man in six because you know what? He did his bit. He got out. He got, you know, I was going to say, he was the smartest of all the actors. He got out early. <laughs> He's he, like looking at the script going, yeah, I guess I can work with this character. I don't have to be seen too much and I get killed off screen. Yeah, yeah. cool. Let's do it. You I mean, got I, afternoon free. Let's do it. You mean I don't even have to put in a bunch of squibs like I did back in Power 98? <laughs> <laughs> with my mom jeans. <laughs> Liam, fucking man or no? No. Oh. Wow. You have to show up to be the man and literally like... Maybe Eric Roberts is in this movie. I don't fucking remember. Barely saw the man. I'm going to go ahead and say he's not even in this movie. He's like Billy Blanks in Dark Moon Rising. He, <laughs> he might be on the IMDb page, but I don't remember him in the movie. Well, he might not be the fucking man, but there's certainly an end to the sentence that would be satisfactory. <laughs> Eric Roberts is, of course, the fucking man in this mark of the six sense. Yeah, that'll, that'll work. Power 98. Uh, Eric Roberts, yeah, he's not... I mean, he gets out early. He's fine. Actually, I will say my, the two favorite scenes in this entire movie are Jeffrey Dean Morgan beating the fuck out of Stephen Baldwin yes. and and Eric Roberts' early conversation with Jeffrey Dean Morgan because for that one conversation, I can almost forget what kind of movie this is. So anyway, don't see this. This movie sucks. But if you do want a recommendation uh, from someone who says this is good, uh, evangelist Jack Van Impey was quoted as saying... <clears throat> Both Rexella and I believe this to be the greatest religious release we have ever watched. I know you'll be tremendously moved as never before when viewing this Holy Spirit-led production. And now, uh, before we finish up here, I, I certainly don't want to offend any listeners, but Jack Fennepi's a piece of shit. And uh, basically, if he ever tells you to do something, you should always do the opposite. So do not see Six, the Mark Unleashed from 2004. Instead, see Runaway Train from the yes. mid-'80s. Yes. Uh, that this is a good excuse. Don't watch Power ninety eight. Don't watch Six: The Mark Unleashed. Pull yourself up a copy of Runaway Train and enjoy. You know, you know who uh, wrote Runaway Train? Do you know this, Liam? I do not. It was based on a script by Akira Kurosawa. That's Whoa. yes, yeah. Because I, I remember hearing about it back then. I was just like, yeah, I got to see this because of that fact. And I'd forgotten it. Hey, why not watch? A movie. It's funny, actually, to think that you know John Voight, who started in Runaway Train, he'd probably rather watch a movie like Six: The Mark Unleashed than Runaway Train. Anyway, we'll take our final break, <clears throat> and when we come back, we'll have a little chat with Dave Cat, and we'll say our good nights.
Power 98 and 6, The Mark Unleashed uh, on this episode, episode number 32 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to Dave Cat for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk about his favorite subject, Eric Roberts movies. Thank you so much. Yes. Hey, thanks for inviting me, guys. It was this is actually, cool. This is really cool. Yeah. Now, Dave Cat, we didn't really get into it at the beginning of the show, and it probably wouldn't be appropriate on an Eric Roberts-based podcast to start with this anyway, but I did mention that you uh, do synthetics advocacy. Tell me what this is all about. Yeah, well, basically, that's just me uh, going on at length, you know, Mm -hmm. to anyone who will listen, about how, you know, I'm trying to promote the idea of, like, humanoid robots, robots in general as being, you know, just as equal and valid as partners or friends or coworkers or lovers, that sort of thing. And I'm also extending that into, like, you know, life-size dolls as well. So, you know, it's what we refer to as the synthetic option. It's something that I've been, like, kind of going on about for the past literally 16 years with various like interviews and podcasts and things of that nature so you know i've certainly been aware of you and your advocacy and your work over the last decade it's interesting to me how it seems like the world is starting to catch up to the things that you were saying like a decade ago yeah it's i mean there's like television shows i mean there's a brand new version of westworld coming out which Mm. is fantastic there is uh films like lars and the real girl there's films like ex machina you know that are exploring the idea of like you know humanoid robots and you know what does it mean to be human can you be a synthetic person and still be a person and it's is it's a long strange road but you know i i like to think of myself as i guess a pioneer a pioneer let's say it dave cat the pioneer i'm a pioneer but you know pioneers (laughs) often end up with arrows in their backs well that won't be happening on this episode (laughs) of eric roberts is the fucking man if people want to find out more about that topic what's a good way for them to do so well i am on twitter uh under dave cat that's one word no hyphen and I also have a blog that I've been running since uh, 2004 called Shouting to Hear the Echoes. Uh, just type in Shouting to Hear the Echoes and Dave Cat into Google, and you'll find it because, well, the URL is a little lengthy and wordy. But, uh, yeah, it's www.kuroneko-chan.com backslash echoes. And we will, of course, link that in the show notes as well so people can check that out. And as well, you should. Thank you so much again, Dave Cat. Liam, over to you. New father. New soon-to-be father, I should say. New yep. dad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you're, you are, you're doing things the old-fashioned way. You're bringing a new life into this world. Uh, and But before you do that, you have a lot of exciting things coming up very, very soon. Sure. This very... Sure. Well, <clears throat> I guess this is coming out on Monday. So when you are listening to this, I am probably in bed recovering from uh this is hardcore fest the greatest punk and hardcore fest in i would say the world Mm. definitely the united states possibly the world uh that's this weekend i'm excited i'm a little anxious as well when when the fest is coming up i just get real nervous about it so uh fingers crossed everything goes well and i put enough sunscreen on and i don't (laughs) get hurt that would be good and then uh I have a week to recover from that, and then the weekend after is the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. Now, tickets are available for both of these. Obviously, this is Hardcore Fest. You're, you've missed out. But Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest, if you are in the Chicago area, uh, you should or can get to the Chicago area. You should get a badge or buy tickets for individual shows, whatever you want to do. And the website for that is uh, bchff.com. We'll link that in the show notes as well. Uh, Liam, I do hope you have a very good time at the This Is Hardcore Fest uh, because, hey, I'm guessing that after this kid comes around, it's going to be a lot less fun in your life, you know? 
You're going to have to be able to do things like Every hop time into mosh pits, that, get those like, elbows out. Yeah, I'm like, no, it'll still be fun. Don't say that. Yeah, let's go out all night and watch movies with the kid at home. <laughs> what? Is that how you're going to make it work? Uh, you got to do your part, Liam. You got to be there. <laughs> you got to be, be there. a dad. Yeah, be a dad. All right? Man. So much harassment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do encourage everyone to attend, who can attend, the uh, Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival. Did I get that right? What is it called again? Yeah, that's right. Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival. Which has a great lineup this year. And I'm envious of anyone who gets to attend and meet all those cool people and see all of those awesome sounding movies. Of course, Liam, you can also be found on Twitter at Liam Rules, L-I-A-M-R-U-L-Z. Yes, and uh, my other creative projects at Cinepunks, uh, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. You can find me, Doug Tilly, over at dailygrindhouse.com. All my writing is over there. You can also find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at nobudgetpodcast.com. Hey, if you're listening to this, you're probably a fan of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Want to find out more? Why don't you head over to ericrobertsistheman.com and subscribe via iTunes or whatever your bag might be. You can leave us a review. We'd appreciate it very, very much. You can also follow Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. Please go ahead and do that. Also, we do have a Facebook group. If you do a search for Eric Roberts is the Man on Facebook, you can get a little behind-the-scenes information there. Why don't you recommend Eric Roberts movies for us to watch? We will listen and then disregard because our guests are the ones who usually pick them. Uh, but with that said, I think I've said all we can possibly say about Power 98 and Six The Mark Unleashed. Is there anything else that we need to get out of the way? Dave Cat, is there anything we need to say before we finish up? Oh, well, uh, you know, if someone is checking to see if you have some sort of implant in uh, your hand, make sure it's not a sticker. Yeah, a sticker, that makes it really obvious. So <laughs> if you're the Antichrist and you're trying to get started and, uh, let, yeah, put it in, put it, don't even, like, don't, in some of these Armageddon movies, they put it right in the forehead. I feel like that's even more conspicuous. Let's just, let's think low key. Uh, Liam, anything to say before we finish up today? Good night. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. Good night, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.